This podcast was assembled on Friday, October 9th at 1.55 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. They don't know why the things that they value are there because of the Green Party. Um, then we're going to continue to remain a, a rump party in, in uh, Canadian politics. And I, I know I don't want that and the members don't want that either. historic moment, not just for the Green Party of Canada, but for the country as well. She's the first black leader of a major federal party in Canadian history. Annemie Paul's breakthrough win last Saturday in a closely contested race has her stepping into some pretty big shoes. For so long, the Green Party has been Elizabeth May. In her 13 years as federal leader, May took the Greens from a political curiosity to a mainstream party. She was the first Green MP elected to Parliament and the longest-serving female leader of any federal party. But while popular with Green members, May never found the type of electoral success she sought. A good result for us is one where we can play a significant role of influence in a minority parliament. Her party only won three seats in the last election. We had over a million votes. It falls far short of the breakthrough that they yeah. were hoping for. 2008, you run mm -hmm. and you get like 6.8% of the popular mm -hmm. vote. 2019, you run, you get 6.5% of the popular vote. Is that real progress? We improved our popular vote by 87%. So, and we have three elected Greens, including a breakthrough into Atlantic Canada. Elizabeth May put her best foot forward on election night, despite the Greens not winning any new seats on Vancouver Island, where the party focused its efforts. For the record books, this is the best election result that any Green Party in any first-past-the-post system has ever had. With support spread thinly across the country, it's hard to translate Green votes into seats. Still, 2019 was the election where climate change took center stage. Now, in the middle of a pandemic, can Annamie Paul pick up where May left off? In January 2020, the environment was the top issue of Canadians. But it isn't anymore. While Canadians worry about job losses and catching COVID-19, Paul also has to navigate her party's existential struggles. I think the best route for the Green Party is to be moderate. These red Tories, or as I like to call them, blue-greens, these are the voters that usually determine who's going to be the next government. So those are the voters that we need to attract. Well, I think that the left of the political spectrum has been vacated in this country. That's the promised land for the Green Party of Canada. This week, Paul wasted no time attacking her prime opponents. The Liberals and the NDP uh, are, are, are intellectually exhausted. She made it clear with the Greens voting against the government's throne speech that she plans to eat the NDP's lunch. There are things in it that just we are simply non-negotiable for us. With no promises from the Liberals to enact a guaranteed livable income, to call a national inquiry into long-term care homes, or to present a stiffer plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions, Paul declared the Greens would not be the party to put water in their wine. At least, not on this. So are the NDP feeling the heat? Uh, not at all. Not, not something I'm concerned about. Today on the show, we sit down with Annamie Paul and take a temperature check on the state of the Green Party. Okay, well, my name is Annamie Paul, 
and I am the new leader of the Federal Green Party of Canada. I'm coming to you from Ottawa. In your hotel room, I think. The bathroom. I love it. The bathroom. (laughs) I'm specifically in the bathroom of a hotel room. Whatever it takes. (laughs) (laughs) But she's not in the bath. She's just in the bathroom, for listeners to be clear. So I want to start off by asking you uh, to talk a little bit about yourself. So who are you? I'm, you know, the things that so many people are. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter, sister, uh, a Green Party member, uh, you know, someone that comes from, and I'm a first-generation Canadian. My family was born on tiny, tiny islands in the Caribbean. I mean, my mother's island has about 9,000 inhabitants. They came here looking for a new life, looking for opportunity, um, looking for something better for their kids, uh, which they definitely got. And uh, I was born and raised in Toronto. I've lived, I lived in Ottawa while I went to law school. Um, I have a, a master's in public and international affairs from Princeton. And more than anything else, I would say, and it really traces back to my mom and my grandma, I've just always wanted to be part of positive change. And I've always known, based on their example, that that is a community effort. People should know as soon as possible that I'm a massive um, comic nerd and uh, I can quote all of the lines from Lord of the Rings. Uh, and, and that is not, there's not one word of a lie in that. Um, I actually was pregnant with my second son and uh, at the old uh, Bloor and Young Theater, they were showing all of the, uh, all of the, um, uh, the films back to back to back, director's cut. And so I was two days away from giving birth and for the entire day, I didn't drink any water because I didn't want to have to get up and go to the bathroom because I was going to watch the director's cut and I wasn't going to miss a minute. That and must it was be like three hours. hours long. All of oh, them yeah. back to back. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm serious about it. It's just... <laughs> so, um, so, um, and comics growing up, that was, you know, I, I grew up with my brothers and that was a big thing for me. So I, it's not so much a superhero thing as I think there's just, there's the DC world and there's the Marvel world and I'm definitely Marvel. And if I have to narrow it down, I'm definitely X-Men. Um, I was looking at your bio. You're a pretty accomplished mm-hmm. uh, person. You've done some really interesting stuff, work for the International Criminal Court, uh, some, a lot of work abroad. Why would you want to enter electoral politics? <laughs> uh, I spent some time working in multilaterals, as you said, working uh, in our government uh, for global affairs, but also working on the civil society side. You come to see that you need all of those elements if you're going to create change. You need a very strong civil society that is agitating for that change. Uh, You need the levers of government as well to uh, implement and affect uh, that change. And so, you know, this is again just a continuation of, of the other things that I've done. I just said to myself, at this moment in time, what is the thing that I think I can do to contribute towards that positive change? And uh, when Elizabeth stepped down and uh, people approached me, I thought, this is something I can do. This is something I can do. And so uh, it could have been something else, but I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time uh, in the history of our party and in politics in Canada. So maybe let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the party because you mentioned Elizabeth May. Mm-hmm. I think in the eyes of many, the Green Party has been defined by Elizabeth May. She's been... Um, you know, the, the membership might pick the policies, but Elizabeth has given voice to them and she has been that 
central spokesperson for more than a decade. What um, opportunities or challenges do you think now lie in front of you um, having a completely new leader? Uh, and frankly, a party that most people just think about, oh, they care about the environment. Well, we'll be, and we do, and that will never change. So, you know, we, I, I joke sometimes with my kids, uh, you know, when they ask me about this one issue party thing, I say, well, you know, it's not so bad being the one issue party if your issue is the issue. It's a new era and uh, having elected me creates an opportunity for a new conversation. And the conversation I want to have with people in Canada is about how we can build a more just, resilient society that doesn't leave anyone behind and that is going to just give us a quantum leap forward uh, in our transition towards the green economy that we, we need to get to as soon as possible. When you say having elected me, do you mean mm -hmm. you as the person and the new leader or you because of your identities as a black woman and a Jewish woman? Both, both. Uh, there's no question, you know, being a black and Jewish woman, you can never escape your identity for better or for worse. And so having elected uh, a leader that has never, from, from um, identities that have, has never been elected before, that definitely opens the conversation. It, I believe that the members were sending an intentional signal that diverse representation matters, uh, that uh, our politics is always weaker and, and poorer for the fact that we have not properly tapped into the diverse um, perspectives, experiences, uh, that we have in Canada, and that's a shame because we have done such a great job in terms of attracting that talent from all around the world and and growing it here at home. Uh, so that is that is absolutely one. But the second, of course, is that just when you have a leader who has been uh, who has been there for so many years, of course, just having a new leader, um, whomever that leader is, uh, gives you the opportunity to have a fresh conversation with uh, with people in Canada about where you hope to uh, lead the party. What do you want to do differently? Uh, well, the, the pandemic changed everything. I think about my father. My father died at the end of May. He died from the neglect that has caused thousands of people to die in our long-term care facilities. He died of an avoidable infection. The Greens, in addition to the climate emergency, have been talking about many, many things for a long time. We talk about the climate emergency not for its own sake. We talk about it because we care about people in Canada, because we put them first, because that, that, that's our core value. Uh, and that is an urgent crisis. Uh, but we've also been talking for many, many years about how we can uh, really complete our social safety net, about how we can meet the most urgent needs of people in Canada, and about how we can guarantee that every person can live a dignified life. This is an opportunity for Canadians to see that we really have a 360-degree um, platform, that, uh, that we have the policies that were needed then and are still needed now. And again, I think that that gives us a real opportunity uh, for a breakthrough and, and to, uh, to have can Canadians really give us a second look when they're thinking about who they want to vote for in the next election. You mentioned that the reason you thought the Greens had not been as successful in 2019 was primarily because of strategic voting. Um, one of the leadership contestants in this leadership race, Miriam Haddad, suggested a one-time alliance with the NDP in order to get proportional representation done. What do you think of that suggestion? 
Well, those kind of questions are questions for our members. And it's very important for, um, uh, you know, as we as we enter into a, a new age uh, in the Green Party, it's very important for me to continue to remind and educate people in Canada about that. We are not a top-down centralized party. Uh, our members decide our policies, and any policy that that is that um, that important, that transformational, is something that they would have to uh, uh, make the final decision on. I guess the question would be though, you as leader, was is that something that you would feel comfortable voicing if the membership decided to go there? Well, I'm here to represent the the members and uh, the direction that they want to take the party in. Uh, I've said and and will certainly have to say more than more than once that you know, given the model of our party, if uh, there's ever a policy that I simply cannot support, uh, then then you know you need a leader that has to be able to 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 speak confidently. Uh, about those policies. What I say is that I welcome these kind of discussions. Is it fair to say then that you're not opposed to the idea, but you're not endorsing it either? Uh, I think it's fair to say that I don't, uh, I don't want to influence such an important topic by expressing an opinion about it. And but how, said, how is that leadership, you know? though? I mean, at some point, the leader has to make, make a well, call and say, well, I agree with this or I disagree with that. I, I totally agree. And I would say that I, I, I'm just I'm simply not there yet because this is this is a relatively new idea within the party. I wouldn't want to say anything that could contradict uh, what might be a growing consensus one way or the other about it. The Green Party's leadership race was a chance to hit the reset button after more than a decade with Elizabeth May as leader. And it was clear there were big divisions within the party. So um, I'm Miriam Haddad. Uh, I'm uh, running for the leadership of the Green Party of Canada. I am 32. Uh, I am born in Syria. I came and immigrated with my parents and my brother in 93. And I've been uh, practicing law for the past eight years um, as an immigration lawyer, uh, specializing in refugee claims. And um, I was recruited and encouraged to, um, to participate in this leadership race uh, because of all my identities. Um, I am, first of all, a millennial. Uh, I'm somebody that is fighting for social justice. Uh, I am uh, a lesbian. Uh, I am uh, an immigrant. So. Uh, I am a woman. These are things that uh, can be inspiring. And uh, I also identify as an eco-socialist. The climate and ecological crisis is the biggest social justice issue of our time. And uh, we need everybody on board and make sure that nobody's left behind uh, while, while we transition our economy out of fossil fuels. My name is Glenn Murray. I'm candidate for the Green uh, Party of Canada's leadership. Uh, and I'm a former mayor of Winnipeg and a former cabinet minister in Ontario. I, I, I think that the, the ballot question is, where does the party go? But where the party's had breakthroughs, it's been, it's been focused on ideas and global green values. It's been a progressive party, but it's been a party that has been open to people without sort of political purity tests and political gatekeepers. And I think what I'm uh, concerned about is that the party could swear, swerve to let me vote one of those eco-socialist candidates. I want to take the party to the far left of the NDP. Well, that's taking the party off the cliff and is abandoning the larger consensus that has been behind 
uh, the success of green parties across Canada and around the world. People saw this uh, leadership race as an opportunity uh, to bring the conversation to the left in Canadian politics. There's a huge uh, space in Canadian politics uh, for a leftist party. Um, the progressives uh, don't really have a, a voice in Canadian politics. I don't think that it's possible to be a progressive and a capitalist, a capitalist at the same time. Um, they can be progressive on, on social issues, but I feel like the, the, the NDP and the Liberals have been uh, representing the interests uh, of the few instead of... Uh, uh, representing the interests of the many in the population. So I think the, uh, the Green Party of Canada can become uh, the champion of, of workers and of the people, uh, becoming this positive populist uh, party. You know, Elizabeth May's brand has been a big chance party, um, and you know most of the candidates are. I mean, I think Anna Mae Paul, who's been was embraced by Elizabeth, is much more, um, uh, I, I would describe a bit more conservative in some ways um, along the lines that Elizabeth is. And then you've got Dimitri and Miriam, and they're pretty much on the, um, you know, on, 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 a, on a very defined ideological, almost a party within a party. And it, the, the, there's been a lot of recruitment from folks who support that view. Um, and it's, it's been hard for the party to adapt to it. For Greens, they say that they don't like the political spectrum, that it's uh, they don't believe in that. But the problem is, uh, Canadian population, everybody in Canada uh, believes in political, uh, um, they believe in the spectrum. They want to know what's our position. And if we're not clear on what we stand for, and we're perceived as a one-issue party, we're not going to go anywhere. I'm not bringing anything uh, radical. I think what's radical and what's extreme is to see governments... Um, succeeding one after the other and not taking the, the appropriate things to, to, uh, to make sure that this eco-side doesn't happen. Of course, one of the eco-socialist candidates did not win. Annemie Paul beat Dimitri Lascaris on the eighth and final ballot by garnering down-ballot support from candidates such as Glenn Murray and UConn physician Courtney Howard. Your win was actually quite a race. Um, I don't know if you expected it would be uh, so close and down to the eighth ballot. Dimitri Lascaris, the, the man who came in second, uh, was kind of representative of a more activist, militant uh, side of the party. Um, do you plan on uh, doing anything to kind of embrace the Dimitri Lascaris, Miriam Haddad, Amita Kutner side of the party? Um, first, I'm going to push back on the sides of the party thing. Uh, and That's how they that, define you know, themselves. So I'm I just, know, yeah. exactly. But, you know, I will say in my case, and, and I said this during the race, um, near the end, because I had basically had enough of it, um, that uh, I was going to define one campaign alone, and that was my campaign, our campaign, and leave everybody else to define their own. Coming back to your original question, I would say that um, I celebrate and encourage the diversity of perspectives within our party. I think uh, that it's clear that it makes things messier. Um, I know that it gives more fodder uh, to the, uh, the national media. Um, but at the same time, that is how great public policy happens. We can't on the one hand, or I certainly can't, talk about how important diversity is and diverse perspectives. Uh, and on the other hand, say, but on the, you know, we know we should all have the same point of view. Uh, I think it's fantastic that we have this uh, this tension within our party. I think that um, if as long as we remember 
that we share the same core values as a party, as long as we remember that we are all with the party because we believe in its policies that our members developed, uh, then, then having, uh, you know, having a, a, this tension is, is a really healthy thing. And it's what makes the Green Party the Green Party and allows us to have really innovative public policy. Are you concerned that because of a lot of the problems that emerged towards the end of the campaign, that there's a cloud over your leadership? Like I'm thinking about the fundraising problems that Glenn Murray talked about, that Andrew West talked about. In fact, listening to some of the candidates, I was surprised to hear other issues that had emerged I wasn't aware of. Well, I'm really grateful that uh, as far as I know, I think almost all or, or maybe all at this point of the candidates have reached out to us to congratulate us uh, and to uh, to congratulate the Green Party on on the election. Uh, I believe that, you know, that everyone is really looking forward to moving forward. Uh, and and, you know, they if there ever was a cloud, they've definitely lifted it. I really appreciate uh, their graciousness. Um, there's no question that after 14, 15 years uh, with the same leader and not having uh, run a leadership race, uh, there were some hiccups and growing pains. Uh, none of this was done with ill will. There have been several um, bumps uh, during this campaign in terms of how the campaign itself was conducted. They expelled me, first of all. I've had people who have donated my campaign that weren't showing up in the tally as well. Many members, many candidates, I should say, have been raising questions uh, about how the parties handled this race, about fundraising and about the rules. Here again are former Green Party leadership candidates Miriam Haddad and Glenn Murray. I feel like a lot of things happened during this leadership race to put um, sticks in, in the wheels of our movement. Um, and, uh, and make me believe that uh, there are certain things that are um, making this, this leadership contest unfair and undemocratic. Uh, so the leadership contest authority expelled me from the race uh, by giving me the reason that I endorsed uh, the BC Eco-Socialist Party, some uh, adversary of the BC Greens, which is not true. I did not endorse uh, any any party. I just want to bring the conversation left. My candidacy was reinstated um, to a bit less than two days later, but I mean the damage was done. You know, um, people in in BC and that are Greens and that are voting for this leadership contest might perceive me as um, as a green hater. Like I mean. Uh, Elizabeth May retweeted uh, something that says that I should not be the leader of anything. Such a violent um, thing to say towards me. We started noticing um, really after we did some on-the-ground fundraisers in Manitoba, where in the summertime COVID had fortunately had receded uh, significantly, and we were able to hold events. And those numbers weren't, those names and those numbers weren't showing up on the list we were getting from the party of donors even 30, 60 days after. Uh, and so the question was, what happened to that? So we discovered that <clears throat> a lot of it was just assumed to be general revenue. Um, some people, and so a lot of it just got misdirected into other campaigns. Some of it we don't know where it is. What we discovered in the last couple of days is that you know, we 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 had nine thousand we had nine thousand six hundred that we found that didn't end up in our accounts that was intended there, and there were different reasons for that. Um, since this got some publicity, we we've had a lot more people doing that, and we continue to go to our, through our list, and we continue to find other folks uh, who are not showing up on our list.
Do you think it would have made a difference to the outcome on Saturday? Yes, I think it would have. <laughs> how, how seriously enough to change the outcome? Who can ever say that? The media uh, gets the numbers huh, for the donations, how much fundraising was done by each campaign, and see Anami Paul as the, um, this uh, front runner because she was able to fundraise so much money. Uh, by far, far ahead other contestants. But Elizabeth helped her. And uh, the perception of the membership and non-members is that uh, there is an endorsement there. The former parliamentary, the former leader, now parliamentary leader, threw herself into a major fundraising tour um, with, with one of the candidates that obviously helped them. Uh, one other problem that we're facing at the moment, and I'll tell you this right away, is that um, uh, certain of our supporters uh, who have a membership have not received their ballot on by, by email and are not able to vote at the moment. So um, we're wondering what's going on and what's this other mistake that the party is doing at the moment. Uh, maybe it was intended or not, uh, but it makes me, again, doubt about um, uh, how democratically uh, the next leader will be uh, voted in. The other parties are simply out of ideas. They are intellectually exhausted and they are out of ideas. This is a moment that demands daring, courageous leadership. And this is something that we simply did not see in the last speech from the throne. When I hear you speak and when I heard you speak on Saturday night, I felt like you're actually going to be more critical of the government and other political parties than Elizabeth May traditionally has been. Um, is that part of your style and how does that affect possibly how you might work with the other parties in the future? As leader, uh, I want to find uh, all of the avenues of collaboration and cooperation that we can. I really do not believe that people in Canada are served by a hyper-partisan style of politics. But when the other parties need to be called out and when the government needs to be called out, I will not hesitate to do it. I will not hesitate to do it on behalf of people in Canada or people abroad that um, are paying the price for the poor decisions uh, of the government. And so, you know, I, I'm, go I'm going to be absolutely um, unapologetic about that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fine balance, but I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like it has to be struck and, and I'm going to make sure that I do. I want to ask you some questions about the party. You mm -hmm. talked a little bit at first about, um, you know, some of the, the, the weaknesses in the party. You talked about diversity. Yeah. Um, what are some of the blind spots that you believe exist in the party that you will seek to change? Well, diversity is, uh, during the campaign, I said diversity is one of our greatest barriers to an electoral breakthrough. Uh, we are the least diverse of the major political parties in Canada. We ran the least diverse slate of, of, um, of diverse candidates in the last election. And so that has to be really right at the top of our list of things that we need to work on. Uh, and I also think, you know, and you touched upon it, and it's, it's an important point. There has to be a way for the Green Party to have a strong, independent voice that calls out and challenges uh, the other parties and the government when necessary, 
uh, without compromising our our spirit of collaborativeness. There have been times when when we needed, I believe, to uh, to say more clearly that we just simply could not support or did not support um, a, a position of the government. Um, and we didn't, again, for fear of, of undermining that spirit of collaboration, uh, which is important because we're a very small caucus and we need to have good relations uh, with the government uh, if we're going to accomplish anything. Uh, but we do need to be able, uh, be able and feel confident in taking credit where credit is due for the role that we have played in politics in Canada in advancing innovative public policy that has made a huge difference uh, to the lives of people in Canada um, while at the same time remaining humble in the way that we do. Uh, but if people in Canada don't know why it's important to vote green, if they don't know why the things that they value are there because of the Green Party, um, then we're going to continue to remain a, a rump party in, in uh, Canadian politics. And I, I know I don't want that, and the members don't want that either. Um, I want to pick up on a few things when you were talking about, you know, some of the daring uh ideas that the Greens have put forward. In your campaign, um, one of the things that you haven't yet mentioned that I thought was interesting um, was your policy suggestions around closing the borders to asylum seekers. So I was hoping you might be able to explain that a little. Absolutely. This this is, um, I want to try to find the words to explain how distressing this is. Uh, you know, I try to, I try to encapsulate it by just giving a story of, of the kind of person who now has no access to Canada. Um, we've been living with uh, the Trump administration for many years now, and so we know how that administration feels about asylum seekers. We know that there are many legitimate asylum seekers that try to enter the United States and, uh, and are not able to, or when they do manage to get into the United States, know that there will be no safe haven for them there. Um, and so if those people somehow manage, and it's very hard, this is not an easy thing to do, if they somehow manage to get to our border, to be turned away on the, on the uh, premise that the United States is a safe third haven is, uh, is a complete dereliction of our international obligations. Um, it doesn't represent Canadian values. And we should be, we should be very clear, as the, as the federal court has already said, that uh, this is a violation of the Canadian uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it is a violation of fundamental human rights. So the fact that the government didn't take that rebuke from the federal court and immediately repeal um, the uh, border closings for asylum seekers is, is it's tragic, it's shocking, um, and and I think that there's just a lot of politics involved in that decision. I think one of the criticisms that can be easily levied on the this government at the moment is it's um, a, it speaks in generalities about human rights, but when it comes to specific cases of human rights, like gross abuses of human rights around the world, and I'm specifically thinking of China right now, there's like stone cold silence. Crickets, crickets, I call it. Yep. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's a great observation, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. Um, again, I'm not seeking to have uh, an antagonistic relationship with uh, the Liberals or any of the other parties, but when they need to be called out, uh, they, they have to be called out. And we can't, uh, and the, you know, this is one of the reasons we weren't successful in, in winning a seat at, uh, on the Security Council, because you can't call out 
you can't say uh, we're, we're open and we welcome you and then close your borders. You can't say that, uh, that you are peacemakers and then sell arms uh, to Saudi Arabia. And so, you know, that, that sort of uh, contradiction and, and sort of talking out of both sides of your mouth, as we say, as I, I think maybe it's not a Caribbean expression, but that's what my grandma used to say. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Emily, thank you. Thank you. While one door opens for Annamie Paul, I'm reminded of another that closed on an election candidate last year, one the Greens hoped would win and shake the status quo. Rissell Coy was a 2019 Green candidate in Victoria. If there was one new ridings the Greens were going to win, the party thought it would be this one. But the NDP's Laurel Collins won the seat by just under 2,500 votes. I called Coy to hear her reflections a year later on a Green breakthrough that didn't happen. Rissell Coy uh, calling in from Victoria, British Columbia, also known as the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt, as they're referred to in modern day. So for my election night for um, October 21st, 2019, I knew it was a very close race and it was um, a two-horse race, if you will. It was an orange horse and a green horse. I did the very best that I could with what I had at the time. And that was the part for me and for my team was making sure that I said, it's very emotional. Because I saw amazing people. And I think this is a beautiful thing about participatory democracy is you see 88-year-old grandma show up your doorstep to help you campaign. You see these young kids who um, you worry about their their homework um, suffering because morning after morning, evening after evening, they show up for sign waves, they show up for door knocking. You know, young high school students who don't yet have the right to vote, but they believed in me. So I had this huge pan of demographic people showing up, feeling it, um, as somebody who, um, through my lineage, understands that leadership is of service, that that place of, whew, we did our best. Now, the rice is, the pardon me, the dice is being rolled, or but the rice could be rolled too into sushi, who knows? <laughs> but, you know, you know that um, you did your best and you, you waited out. This last week has been rough for me as an Indigenous woman. As much as I know why I wanted to be elected in 2019, I still feel it and I still have the fire because social inequity costs lives. Systemic racism costs lives. Diversity in our elected officials literally changes it. It is a game changer when we put forward somebody who is othered. We put somebody who is othered forward. We bring in a whole beautiful pie chart, if you will, if you will of perspectives and wisdoms and ancestral knowledge and knowings, as well as just our common sense of the crap that we've had to put up with in our day-to-day -day lives. So for me, yes, I'm still emotional because I know I gave it my all. 
I know that my team gave their everything um, and we did our best and we lost by so few votes, which again is the hardest part because when it's that close, it's like a celebration that we were that close, but it's also that moment of, uh, I shouldn't say remote, months of, of doubt of what else could have been done. Rissell Coy was the Green Party candidate in Victoria. I say to people in Canada that ultimately the choice is yours. Because if we want different outcomes, then we need to make different choices. Annemie Paul is trying to win a seat in Parliament running in this month's Toronto Centre by-election, a riding she's tried to win but failed to capture before. The riding is a Liberal bastion, and the Grits, the Tories and the NDP all have candidates in place to fight the October 26th contest. But that didn't stop Elizabeth May from lashing out at the NDP's refusal to offer what she called a leader's courtesy, something the Greens had done for Jagmeet Singh during a by-election in Burnaby South. I like Jagmeet Singh to think about it. I like New Democrats to reach out to him and say, how classy is it to try to block the entry to the House of Commons of the first black woman leader of a federal political party? Consider what Rosemary Brown would think. Brown, of course, was the first black woman to be elected to a Canadian provincial legislature. She also ran, unsuccessfully, for the NDP leadership in 1975, losing to Ed Broadbent. Friday, Paul said she was disappointed Trudeau was pushing ahead with the by-election, despite the rising cases of COVID-19 in the province. Well, that's our pod for today. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review, or better yet, send us mail. You can reach me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Althea Raj is my handle. That's A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J. Follow-up is produced by myself and HuffPost Ottawa reporter Zian Lum. A big thank you this week to Nicole Edwards, who served as our technical producer. I'm Althea Raj. Thanks for listening, and have a great Thanksgiving weekend.